Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Now, I saw this article this morning in the Washington Examiner by Alana Goodman, and I couldn't believe it. I hope it's not some kind of hoax. But we'll put that footnote out there just in case. And the headline of the article in the Washington Examiner, which is a reputable newspaper, Joe Biden embraced segregation in 1975, claiming it was a matter of black pride. Now, I can't read the entire article. It's quite lengthy, but I'm going to read part of it to you. Um, And um, it starts like this. Joe Biden, weighing a 2020 White House bid, once advocated continued school segregation in the United States arguing that it benefited minorities and that integration would prevent black people from embracing their own identity. Biden was speaking in 1975 when he opposed the federally mandated busing policy designed to end segregation in schools. By the way, I would have too. Not for that reason, not to end segregation. But that's a different story. That's a different story as we get to this. In the past few decades, he's claimed he wanted desegregation but believed the policy of busing would not achieve it. Last year, he stated he had voted heroically to protect busing. I'm going to continue through this article because for me, the issue isn't busing. The issue is something else that he says. In 2008, after being chosen as Barack Obama's vice presidential running mate, he said, the struggle for civil rights was the animating political element of my life. He appears poised to make his civil rights record a centerpiece of any campaign, telling an audience in Fort Lauderdale this week that I came out of the civil rights movement. He added that he first became aware what an awful thing segregation was as a third grader. When he asked his mother why a bus was taking black children to a school away from where they lived. But 44 years ago, facing a backlash against busing from white voters... The future vice president voiced concerns not just about the policy of busing, which he had supported when he first uh, was seeking election in 1972, but about the impact of desegregation on American society. Now, if this is true, that's the point. He argued, she writes, that segregation was good for blacks, was what they wanted. Quote, I think the concept of busing, that we are going to integrate people so that they all have the same access and they learn to grow up with one another and all the rest, is a rejection of the whole movement of black pride, said Biden. Desegregation, he argued, was, quote, a rejection of the entire black awareness concept, 
where black is beautiful, black culture should be studied, and the cultural awareness and the importance of their own identity, their own individuality. Questioning whether he might be a racist, Biden said he had asked the, quote, blacks on my staff, unquote, whether he harbored something, quote, in me that's deep-seated and that I don't know. The NPR interview provides new insight into a little explored chapter of Biden's political career's curious role as a leading opponent of a liberal cause celeb, federal school integration efforts, and the decades following the Supreme Court's Brown versus Board of Education ruling. Biden said in the interview, during which he was speaking with Brooke, uh, I guess that's Senator Brooke of uh, Massachusetts, the African-American Republican senator, that, quote, busing doesn't work. But he went on to say he had a philosophical as well as a practical objection to it. Busing would lead to a, quote, totally homogenous society, unquote, that would be to the detriment of black people. He said, quote, there are those of we social planners You know, this is Biden speaking, of course. There are those of we social planners who think somehow that if we just subrogate man's individual characteristics and traits by making sure that a presently heterogeneous society becomes a totally homogeneous society, that somehow we're going to solve our social ills, he said. And quite to the contrary. You need to be able to separate busing from his statements where he's trying to have it both ways. And by trying to have it both ways, he comes off very, very badly. Biden's conclusion on busing, according to his own account, was not arrived at lightly. He claimed he spent, quote, close to 300 hours, unquote, studying the issue before sticking out a position against it. So he was four in 1972 when he was running, but he barely won election. And then uh, leading up to 1978, he was opposed to it. But again, that's really not my issue here. It's what he says about desegregation. He said he met with black members of his staff and asked if they thought he harbored hidden racial prejudices. He said, I give my word as a Biden. I put in over 100 hours, by far I would say close to 300 hours, on just torturing this anti-busing concept. Calling my staff together and the blacks on my staff together saying, look... This is what I think. Do you think I'm a racist, in effect? Is there something in me that's deep-seated and that I don't know? Sounds so contrived. The future vice president also claimed he'd been an attorney for a member of the Black Panther Party. Quote, it really is a hard, hard thing, Biden said. In law school, I was considered a raging liberal. As a lawyer, I'm considered, gee, I must be wacky. Who'd represent a member of the Black Panthers? The Washington Examiner was unable to confirm whether Biden ever served as a lawyer for a member of the Black Panthers, a claim he has not made in recent decades. Ballack and Ballack, a Wilmington, Delaware firm where Biden worked before joining the Senate, said it doesn't have, quote, any way to confirm this, unquote, because none of the current attorneys at the firm worked there during that era, and it has not kept records from that time. Biden also served briefly as a public defender before entering politics. Well, it's easy. Biden can just give the name of his clients. I'm going to read one more part of this, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can read it yourselves. When Biden ran for the Senate in 1972, he supported busing. But once elected by a margin of just 1.4%, busing became a major political controversy as northern cities were forced to grapple with attempts to end segregation. In 1974 and 75, there were riots in Boston and Louisville, Kentucky, and it goes on. 
So I'm not going to focus on the issue of busing, which is today and was then controversial, and controversial to a lot of people having nothing to do with race. They just thought their kids shouldn't be bused 10 miles across town. But again, that aside, what about Biden's comments about desegregation? That desegregation went against the black identity concept. I think that was his effort. That was his effort to say, in effect, look, look, African-Americans, I'm with you. But on the other hand, you white folks out there, um, I understand that desegregation, uh, you know, what that leads to is a uh, homogeneous society. And uh, and, uh, you know, you heard what he said. What do you make of this? What do you make of this from Biden? Now, I admit it was over 40 years ago. But they've been going after Trump and looking at everything he said and did and pulling out old videos and looking at things he did before 1975. And this stuff about I talked to blacks on my staff and asked them if I harbor any deep-seated, you know, hate or racism that I'm not aware of. What kind of comment is that? And, of course, he represented a Black Panther. We would all like to know who that was. We know Hillary Clinton actually did. There are those of we social planners who think somehow that if we just subrogate man's individual characteristics and traits and making sure that a presently heterogeneous society becomes a totally homogeneous society, that somehow we're going to solve our social ills. And quite to the contrary, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, the, the interesting thing is, ladies and gentlemen, we have intermarriage in this country like never before. We have diversity in this country like never before. Not thanks to busing. There were things that did need to be done to enforce civil rights for black Americans. I mean, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments should have put it to rest, but they didn't. You had a Supreme Court that was hostile. Hostile to integration. In Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896. You had a Democrat Party, a significant segment of the Democrat Party that was hostile to integration. I'm not even talking about forced integration, just integration in public places, on public streets, public water fountains. It was disgusting. But here you have Biden in 1975 saying what he said. Biden is from Delaware. Part of Delaware Delaware, uh, Delaware was sympathetic to the uh, Confederacy, and um, part of it, most of it, was sympathetic to the Union. There had actually been slaves in part of Delaware. The African-American community back in 1972 represented 13-14% to of the population in Delaware, and now it's significantly more. What do you think the media would do if Donald Trump had ever said anything like this? Anything. Or any Republican had ever said anything like this. What do you think they would do? Now, no doubt you've been hearing all afternoon about Virginia Governor Northam. People, Republicans, 
Conservatives are very excited about this. I'm not excited about this at all. What amazes me, well, you know what? I'm coming up to a hard break. What amazes me about this is how this was discovered now. He was lieutenant governor of Virginia. He ran for governor of Virginia. This is a big deal, apparently. It's all over the place. So my question is, why wasn't it discovered by the media when he ran for lieutenant governor, a statewide constitutional office in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Why wasn't it discovered by the media when he ran for governor of Virginia? Where was the Washington Post? I'll tell you where they were. They were busy hunting down Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner. And all the rest. They do not give Democrat candidates the kind of anal exam, if you will, that they give people they hate. They wanted Northam to win. They want Virginia to turn blue. Northam was endorsed by the editorial page of the Washington Post. The Washington Post has a massive investigative reporting team. Enormous amount of resources. Are you telling me they didn't even look at this guy's medical yearbook or his high school yearbook? God knows they were chasing Kavanaugh's uh, high school yearbook. Probably his elementary school yearbook, if there is such a thing. We need to explore that, too, don't we? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One hundred and seventy five years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. As we start a new year, Hillsdale's entering its hundred and seventy fifth year, but in all of that time it still holds the same principles since eighteen forty four. The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, to recognize what is beautiful, and to hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way and are now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth and peddle moral and cultural relativism, not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale is my favorite college because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of liberty. From its free online courses to its free speech digest and primus, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., to helping establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Tonight's program is in honor of my wonderful, beautiful mother. I haven't talked much about my mother, Norma Levin. But I will, not tonight, in the future, but today's show is in her honor. All the wonderful mothers out there. Now, I'm reminded by Mr. Producer that many of you may not know about what has occurred today with Virginia Governor Northam. You know his outrageous position when it comes to infanticide, and he doubled down on it, too. It's grotesque. Andrew Cuomo, grotesque. These men have no moral standards. I'm sorry. 
This isn't a choice. It's not Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative. You either believe in life or you don't. It's not about politics. It's funny how they say they don't want government involved, and yet they constantly pass laws in support of infanticide. Even though this is in the Washington Post, it wasn't broken by the Washington Post. That endorsed Mr. Northam for governor, as you might expect, because he's a Democrat. Richmond, a photograph on Governor Ralph Northam's medical school yearbook page shows a man wearing blackface next to another person in a Ku Klux Klan robe. So he's either wearing one or the other, either the blackface or the Ku Klux Klan robe. And you can see it in the photo. It's his page. It's the Ralph Northam page. So he's one or the other. The image is in a 1984 yearbook from Eastern Virginia Medical School and a page with other photos of Northam and personal information about the future governor. This is how the Post writes it. Northam, a pediatric neurologist, graduated from the Norfolk Medical School in 1984 after earlier graduating from Virginia Military Institute. The page is labeled Ralph Shearer Northam, along with pictures of him in a jacket and tie, casual clothes, and alongside his restored Corvette. It shows two people, one in plaid pants, bow tie, and black-faced, and the other in a full clan robe. Both men appear to be holding beer cans. The person in blackface is smiling. Beneath the photo is a write-up about Northam listing his alma mater, noting that his interest is pediatrics and giving a quote, there are more old drunks than old doctors in this world, so I think I'll have another beer. A spokeswoman for the governor did not have an immediate response. Well, what's he going to say? He's going to have to apologize, obviously. And he should. The website Big League Politics first posted the picture Friday afternoon. Big League Politics is a conservative website founded by Patrick Hawley, a former writer for the Daily Caller and Breitbart. It's owned by Mustard Seed Media, an outfit headed by Riley O'Neill, a political operative whose clients included former Alabama Senate candidate Roy Moore. What? Honest to God? I don't know what this has to do with anything. Whenever there's a story by the New York Times, does anybody say a story by the New York Times that censored and covered up the Holocaust? Anyway, the website Big League Politics first posted the picture Friday afternoon. The Washington Post independently confirmed the authenticity of the yearbook by viewing it in the library maintained by the medical school in Norfolk. Now, we'll get into this a little bit further. Interested in your views on Biden. And uh, the Washington Post picks up where this big league politics basically handed them the baton. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought about the word education? It means to lead forth. Now, let me tell you about a place that leads forth. Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students are challenged to discover the right way forth by reading the greatest books by the greatest minds in history. And they learn the meaning of the three ultimate and related things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, unfortunately, many of our nation's other colleges have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. But as we begin a new year, we can be thankful that none of this applies to Hillsdale College. 
For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit Hillsdale. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Mark Levin, the George S. Patton of Talk Radio. Call him at 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. Well, as I was sitting here, uh, it looks like the governor of Virginia has issued an apology here. Earlier today, a website published a photograph of me, he says, from my 1984 medical school yearbook in a costume that is clearly racist and offensive. I'm deeply sorry for the decision I made to appear as I did in this photo and for the hurt that this decision caused then and now. This behavior is not in keeping with who I am today and the values I have fought for throughout my career in the military, in medicine, and in public service. But I want to be clear, I understand how this decision shakes Virginians' faith in that commitment. I recognize that it will take time and serious effort to heal the damage this conduct has caused. I'm ready to do that important work. The first step is to offer my sincere apology and to state my absolute commitment to living up to the expectations Virginians set for me when they elected me to be their governor. You can see the photographs. Are they still up on the Drudge Report, Mr. Producer? All right, you can go to the Drudge Report. They're still up there. You can go to Right Scoop. They're up there. And I'm sure there are many other places. And uh, just to reiterate, there's a photo. In one case, uh, there's two people. In one case, it's the person is in blackface. In the other case, the person is wearing a full Klan outfit. And... Uh, so the governor has confirmed that he's one of them. We don't know which one, not that it matters. It, it is what it is. And um, this raises a lot of issues, really, as does the Biden statement. And the Biden statement will be ignored by most, but it shouldn't be. How is it that the media didn't even look at his medical yearbook? How's that possible? They're hunting down Kavanaugh's high school yearbook. They're taking any piece of information they can. They're digging and digging and interviewing people and so forth and so on. The Washington Post, which is the big newspaper in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, covering the city, Maryland, Virginia, and so forth, they endorse Northam for governor. Do they take any responsibility for not doing a proper vetting? He didn't run for governor as a doctor 
I mean, he did run as a gut doctor, but not from being a doctor. He had been the lieutenant governor. He'd been the lieutenant governor. The media contrived so much, take things out of context, thoroughly dishonest. And yet somehow they miss this. Somehow they miss this. I'm not saying they covered it up. I'm saying they didn't want to look. They don't look at a background of a Democrat running for office as thoroughly as they look at a Republican. You look at the way Donald Trump has been investigated. Every aspect of this man's life. Every aspect. By the media, by Congress, by partisan prosecutors. Every aspect. And that every day he comes in, he pushes back. He's a remarkable human being when you think about it. And how is it that it took the Washington Examiner to uncover this information about Joe Biden, which will be twisted and turned and everything else? That effectively, in 1975, I don't know how else you can read his words, Well, let me put it to you this way. He wasn't exactly denouncing segregation, was he? He can point to 1972 when he supported busing. But shortly thereafter, he makes these outrageous statements, bizarre statements, because he's trying to walk a fine line to not offend certain groups of voters. You look at what's going on in the left today, in the Democrat Party today, the tolerance for anti-Semitism. It's even worse today. It happened again. This, this Omar is an absolute out-and-out bigot. This congresswoman from Minneapolis-St. Paul, who I guess took Keith Ellison's seat. I don't believe the Republican Party is racist. Do you? I don't believe the Republican Party is anti-Semitic, do you? How is it that the Democrat Party gets away with these things? Steve King, the moment the New York Times came out, the Republicans in the House, joined by the Democrats, almost all of them, including Steve King himself, voted on, I believe it was a resolution, condemning him. How come they didn't condemn, or won't, Ilhan Omar? She has made repeated statements in the last few days and over the many months that are simply outrageous. A Jew hater. How is it that the Washington Post didn't seriously investigate Mr. Northam's background and then endorsed him for governor and lieutenant governor? He was a prominent figure in Virginia. Isn't it also interesting that this yearbook, when he was 25 years old, has been made, they make more of a fuss of it in the Washington Post than they do his comments about infanticide. Isn't that bizarre too? What exactly does the left in this country stand for? What exactly does the Democrat Party in this country stand for? 
trashing our institutions and traditions. Except the ones they like, of course. Woman's right to privacy. No, it's infanticide. It has nothing to do with privacy. Well, a doctor or provider. I finally figured out what a provider is, Mr. Producer. It's a non-doctor. So you don't really need a doctor giving input. A provider can give input. You know, like somebody at Planned Parenthood. I think the Democrat Party is dragging us in a very bleak places. It really is. And there's very little resistance among elected Republicans. Very little. They're too busy shooting arrows in the back of the president. Look at this Chris Christie making a massive spectacle of himself. Will Northam survive this? Will Biden? Of course Biden will. The media love Biden. He's dumb as a doorknob, but they love him. The man has admittedly faced a lot of tragedy in his life. No question about it. And for that, we are deeply sympathetic. But he wants to be president now. They were digging up old interviews of Donald Trump. That NBC interview almost killed his election. Here's an old interview of Joe Biden by NPR. The man was a senator forever. The man was vice president twice, two terms. And the media never found it because they didn't look. Well, you might say that's a long time ago. But they never say that about Donald Trump or anybody else who they don't like, do they? It would be amazing that this governor would be forced out of office over this when he was 25, which, by the way, is outrageous. I don't defend it in any way. I've never participated in anything like this. These groups are, are, are terrorist groups. I really believe that. Neo-Nazis and Klansmen and all the rest. So that is a fact. But his most recent comments and active support for infanticide doesn't draw the same kind of ire or emotion or anger from the Washington Post editorial page or even from its news pages. Be curious to hear what you think about all this. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, 
It's Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and it's Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Hillsdale.edu. You know, as a listener to this show, you're never surprised when I defend freedom and free markets, even when it's not popular. And unfortunately, today, it doesn't seem to be very popular because I don't care about what's popular. I care about what's right and what works. That's why I'm speaking out against Secretary Azar's plan to tear down the most innovative sector of the U.S. economy. I'm talking about the biopharmaceutical industry, which is the innovation gem of our economy and the envy of the world. The U.S. drug industry commits $90 billion a year to R&D to bring more life-saving technologies to market than any other industry in the world. And by doing that, they employ countless Americans. These are good-paying jobs that produce life-saving work. But Secretary Azar's plan to socialize the U.S. drug industry by dictating what drug companies can charge and what certain drugs seniors can or cannot have access to, regardless of what their doctors may prescribe, will put lives at risk. Because he's attacking the same drug companies that produce the life-changing and life-saving drugs millions depend on. You remember Obama's war on coal? This is starting to look like Azar's war on medical innovation. We should be exporting freedom and importing socialist ideas that produce poverty, scarcity, and rationing. Worst of all, his plan will kill the innovation needed to get the next breakthrough in cancer or Alzheimer's. I'm not going to sit by and let it happen, and neither should you. I've had people in my family who've had cancer and have cancer. Heart disease, diabetes, Addison's disease, um, Crohn's disease, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. And we're constantly looking for breakthroughs. Constantly. And once the government takes this over or has a big hand in controlling prices and all the rest of it, it becomes a very hopeless thing. A very hopeless thing. If you can't afford certain drugs, you may not be aware of this, and maybe the drug companies ought to do a better job telling you. You can apply. And they have programs, and they spend billions and billions of dollars a year on this. I'm not a special pleader. I'm just telling you. I know this is a fact. I don't want to get too personal, but I, I'm telling you that this is a fight that we're going to have to win. And we're on the unpopular side of this. I'm well aware of it. I look here in the Hill newspaper, Mitt Romney warned pharmaceutical company executives Thursday that change is coming to the industry. In a short interview in the Capitol, Romney described to the Hill his message to the closed-door meeting of the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers America Board of Directors, Pharma. Change is going to come to pricing in the pharmaceutical industry and that they are wise to be part of the solution as opposed to opposing change. And what that is is a threat. It's basically telling this industry... You need to come up with your own 
poison pill. Now, Romney is a member of the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, which has jurisdiction over a wide array of health care issues, including drug pricing. He's not yet introduced any drug pricing legislation, but said it would be something I'll be looking at down the road. Now, I have to tell you, how in the hell can senators set drug prices? This is why I tell you that the Republican Party is a soft progressive party. Just remember, progressivism really came into this country in a big way under the Republicans. Particularly Theodore Roosevelt. And of course, the Democrats have gone nuts with it. But the Republicans didn't abandon it. It was Coolidge who fought it and Reagan who fought it. Virtually every other Republican has been a soft progressive. So, of course, we're going to have to look at pricing. We're going to have to look at price controls. We're going to have to look at importing uh, uh, generics from overseas and so forth and so on. It'll kill innovation. Absolutely kill it. And why? Well, Mark, the prices are too high. You know what? I I kept remembering during the Obama debates, they said, we spend 17% of our GDP on medical and health care. 17%. And I thought to myself, well, what else would we spend it on? What else should we spend it on? What else should we spend 17% of our GDP on? Private sector money. If not on our health, quality of life for ourselves and our families. Isn't that the point of life to begin with? Well, what else are we supposed to spend it on? This program, that program, another program that some knucklehead comes up with? I'm just pointing it out. Also this week, a hearing when Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Rassley threatened to force drug company executives to testify. President Trump looks to be attacking the price of prescription drugs too. Republicans, Democrats. I know. I stand and say no. Count me out. Count me out. I've seen too much. I've seen too much pain. I've seen too much agony. I've seen too much illness. There was one drug my father took near the end of his life that cost over $11,000 a month. And I wrote a check for it. And you might say, well, that's because you're rich. I am rich. Not sick, you know, not massively rich, but rich enough. And then he went ahead and filed one of those forms because he couldn't afford that drug. With Norvitis, I believe it was. And the next week he got the same drug absolutely free. And I said, Dad, I'll, I'll take care of this. He said, no. It's not your responsibility. Anyway, don't mean to drag it down. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. 
Broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. Um... The Democrats have all kinds of crazy proposals going on now. This Ilhan Omar uh, now believes in a 90% tax. Bernie Sanders wants a massive inheritance tax. Elizabeth Warren wants a wealth tax. Do you know who pays most taxes in this country? Do you know, Mr. Producer? The top 1%. Do you know 45, over 45% of the people in this country don't pay federal income taxes? Did you know that, Mr. Producer? That's not splashed on the front page, is it? So when you have these polls, do you think the rich should pay more? Well, of course, if you're one of the 45%, you've got no problem with that. You haven't been paying any federal income taxes. But they're payroll taxes. I'm not talking about payroll taxes. Those are taxes. They're going to Social Security and Medicare and workers' comp and unemployment comp. I'm talking about federal income taxes. I don't know how much more, quote-unquote, equitable you can make them. The top 20% taxpayers in this country pay 80% of the federal income tax. 80%. It's crazy. The progressive income tax. And then they say the difference between the rich and the poor is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. That's not how you measure things. The poor aren't always poor. People in the middle class can become lower middle class, upper middle class. Notice the Marxist lingo. You become fairly wealthy, more wealthy, very wealthy. People move in and out of these so-called classes that are created by the left, created by the government in order to encourage you to hate that group over there. I just think it's, uh, we don't even get the facts out. We don't even get the facts out. So here she is. So so they push out this AOC, Alexandria Ocasio, uh, whatever, Cortez. They push out Ilion Omar, radical kooks. I mean, this one's Omar, a bad person. And here's what she has to say. Cut one, go. Talking about taxes, mm-hmm. um, because it has a role with the uh, new Green Deal. Yeah. Which does Medicare have... Medicare for all, all of those And Medicare for all. I mean, ready. how, again, how do you propose doing that on, an, on, a, on a very practical level? Because some of these critics are coming from the Democratic Party itself, yeah. not, you know, not only from the Republican Party. So there are a few things that we can do. Um, one of them is that we could increase the taxes that people are paying. Um, who are the extremely wealthy in in our community. So 70%, 80%, we've had it as high as 90%. The other thing that we can do is we can uh, tax corporations um, or, or have them uh, level out 
the gap uh, that, that exists with their workers. I'm also one that um, really looks at uh, the, the defense budget that we have. That has increased you know, nearly 50% uh, since 9-11. Um, and so most of the money that we have in there um, is much more than we spend on education, on health care. That's a lie. When you look at what we spend on Medicare, Medicaid, and other forms of health care, it does not equal the defense budget. And more than that, when you consider in education what we spend locally, at the state level and the federal level, level, for public education in colleges and universities, that's a lie, too. But defense is something our federal government's supposed to do. It's not supposed to be doing all these other things, now is it? So she would weaken us internationally by eviscerating the Defense Department and our military. She would really rip the heart out of capitalism. Her values are so screwed up she stands up for Hamas and Hezbollah against the state of Israel. She's at war internally with our own country. And she's not the only one. Cut two, please. Go. I mean, I think what picks up for a lot of people is mm-hmm. taxing the rich mm-hmm. up to 80, 90 percent or 70. Yeah. And, you know, one percent must pay it, their fair share. But one percent must pay their fair share like a zombie. One percent must pay their fair share. Well, what is the fair share? Since they pay an enormous percentage of our federal income taxes and 45% of the people in this country, I'm not counting children, obviously, don't. Not one penny in federal income tax. We actually have millions of people who don't even have to file a federal income tax uh, form. Also, this gap between the rich and the poor, how much has to do with all the illegal immigrants that come into this country and other immigrants, for that matter, who tend to be much poorer than Americans? Has anybody calculated that? Of course not. That would undermine their entire agenda. Go ahead. So support that. Mm-hmm. They say good luck getting that. You know, how are you planning on on having this negotiations or dialogue or bridge building to actually get that happening? Yeah, I mean the influence of money in in our politics is is severe, and so That's uh, a, the influence of money in our politics is severe. The Democrats are outspending the Republicans almost every election cycle. The Democrats just took the House; she just got elected. The influence of money in our politics is severe. Take money out of politics so you can't run advocacy ads or send out mailers to people to get out the vote and that sort of thing, right? Drag out enormous sums of money out of the private sector to give it to the government. I mean, 90% folks, a 90% federal income tax for anybody. I don't care if we had that before or not. We had slavery before. It's not something we celebrate. 90%. In other words, the logic of the argument is just because something happened before, you learn from your mistakes. You learn from them. Let's just think this through for a minute. 
If you have a 90% top marginal tax rate, let's say on every dollar some multimillionaire earns over $10 million, what do you think that multimillionaire is going to do? What do you think they're going to do? You think they're going to invest in expanding whatever business they have? You think they're going to invest in new businesses? You think they're going to pour their money into the stock market or into bonds or into real estate? Then you got the wealth tax looking at, you're looking at over your shoulder. What do, what do you think that person's going to do? What do you think, Mr. Producer? They will take that money and move it. They'll either sit on it or they will move it overseas or somewhere. It'll become utterly unproductive for us. It won't create jobs for people who want jobs because it won't create more wealth. The government will get more and more powerful. It become more and more aggressive. How many of you think that if we had a 90% top marginal tax rate and a 77% inheritance tax on billionaires which is what Bernie Sanders is talking about, among other taxes he wants. A 2% wealth tax every year. How many of you think that would grow our economy? How many of you think that would be a shot in an arm to job production? How many of you think we'd have more housing going on for our electricians, our plumbers, our roofers, our carpenters, you name it? For our HVAC folks? How many do you think that there was grow our economy? Moreover, how many of you think that this would satiate the left's desire for more money and to control you? Because whatever cockamamie scheme they have, it's not going to work. There'll never be enough money. They'll never admit it. They'll just say we haven't taken enough money. We got to take it from more people. That's what they did in Venezuela. That's what they've done in all these repressive regimes. And let me tell you something. What's being proposed here is repressive. We don't have enough billionaires and they don't have enough money. If we took, as I've said to you many times before, every penny they have to fund what these people are proposing. All the economic dislocation that will take place. All of you out there who will lose jobs. You know, they used to mock Reagan, trickle-down economics. Reagan put it a different way. A rising economy lifts all boats. And it's true. But the opposite is true, too. You're going to take the most successful innovators, creators, investors in this country... And destroy them? Or deter them? Or obstruct them? Or punish them? Or whatever it is you have planned for them? Just think about the loss of brain power that would occur. Just think about how it would affect your lifestyle. Or as I was ending the first hour of the program, just think about how it affects things like medicine. There are new technologies to improve individuals' quality of life or extend them. Just think about that. This fool gets elected to Congress, and I think we 90%, you know, the top 
that we should cut our defense budget. She's been in Congress, what, a month? Six weeks? She's an ideologue in many ways. An ideologue. She's a radical in her belief system, in her personal belief system, and in views of her policies. She's on the fringes. And unfortunately, the fringes are becoming more and more the mainstream of the official Democrat Party. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. What did you say to me, Mr. Producer? I didn't. Oh, okay. Sorry, folks. All right. Then we have, um, well, let's finish up with this nut. You know what? I don't want to hear her anymore. Let's look at this Bernie Sanders stuff. Bernie Sanders wants to promote a massive inheritance tax on a lot of people. And it would affect a lot of people. Now, at the highest level, of course, here's what it would do. It would reverse decades-long decline in estate taxes. It would levy a 45% estate tax on those with $3.5 million to $10 million in estates. Farmers, small business people. And this money's already been taxed, folks. It's been taxed by the state. It's been taxed by the town. It's been taxed by the federal government. You work your whole damn life, you're 80, 85, 90 years old, you want to leave what you've earned to your kids, your grandkids, I mean, what the hell, this is what life's about, family taking care of family, no? But no. Do you think the founders of this country would have put up with an estate tax? A 90% marginal income tax rate? A 2%? Wealth tax, you think they would have put up with any of this? Any of it. The big fat Leviathan government shuts down for four weeks, five weeks, effectively. And you'd think they were, you know, the world was coming to an end. The world didn't come to an end. And the media in there, the Washington, D.C. media, advocating on behalf of the people there. I don't know how the hell we get out of this. I'll be honest with you. So what Bernie Sanders wants to do, old Moscow Bernie, levy a 45% estate tax on those with 3 to $10 million in estates when they die. A 50% tax on those with 10 to $50 million. Remember, we're talking about people with businesses that would have to be liquidated. Farms that would have to be sold. You got to come up with cash, you know, to pay this stuff. 55% for those 50 to 1 billion and 77% tax on those with more than 1 billion. This wouldn't even come close to paying for all the proposals that he alone has made, like Medicare for all or others, a minimum annual income. For everybody in the United States, oh, I'm sure that'll prod people to work and to create and to invent. Massive increase in our welfare rolls. Can you imagine not securing the border and having a minimum income for every person in this country? Notice Cory Booker didn't say every citizen. It's every person in the country. Can you imagine having Medicare for all 
quote unquote. Can you imagine not having a wall or barriers and being able to secure that southern border with all these proposals coming in? A massive welfare state. Massive debt beyond the debt we have now. Massive taxation beyond the taxes that many of us pay now. Open borders. Free college. Free health care. It's the end. It's insanity. And yet this is the Democrat platform. I just wish there were a handful of Republicans in the Senate, in the House, wherever, who were smart enough and articulate enough to make these points. The Democrat proposals will destroy the country. Say it! The Democrat proposals will destroy the country. Financially, economically, destroy our our culture in the sense that we have a culture of hard work and innovation and creativity. Liberty. Individualism. Look at these clowns. They get elected. Kamala Harris for two years. Cory Booker for two years. Omar for one month. And go down the list. Elizabeth Warren. Absolute nut job. This isn't about billionaires, folks. This is about luring you into this mindset, luring you into this ideology out of jealousy and anger and hatred. Yeah, I drive an 18-wheeler from one end of the country to the other. What the hell? I pay this license fee, that license fee, this certificate fee. They never leave me alone. That billionaire over there, they ought to give it to him. That's what they want you to do. That's how they want you to think. Hate and jealousy. And yet that billionaire has created more products, more jobs, more wealth than all these politicians put together. They've hired more people than all these politicians put together times a thousand. Only thing these politicians have is hot air and smoke. That's it. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Plastic Conservative Fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Relationship tip number one. It's not going to truly feel like a birthday anniversary or upcoming holiday like Valentine's unless there's a surprise bouquet of roses involved. 
And this season, the biggest and best quality roses are one uh, are only found at 1-800-Flowers.com. And right now, you can get a dozen assorted roses for $19.99 or upgrade to two dozen assorted roses for $10 more. Now, this is an unbelievable offer from 1-800-Flowers. A dozen assorted roses for $19.99 or upgrade to two dozen assorted roses for $10 more. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak and shipped overnight to ensure freshness and her amazement. A dozen assorted roses for $19.99 or two dozen assorted roses for $10 more. Now, that's an amazing offer, but you need to hurry. It expires today. Today. There's four and a half hours left in today if you're on the East Coast and uh, listening to the program live. Bouquet prices will be going up soon, and they're not kidding. So take advantage right now. Pick your delivery date. Let 1-800-Flowers handle the rest. When it comes to life special occasions, I don't settle for anything less than my Rose Authority. 1-800-Flowers.com and enter code LEVIN. And to order a dozen assorted roses for $19.99 or upgrade to two dozen assorted roses for $10 more, you can go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, enter code LEVIN. Again, do it right now because it's, it's, this, this deal ends today. And you can save at 1-800-Flowers.com, code LEVIN, 1-800-Flowers.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Jason, Springfield, Missouri, on the great KSGF. Go. Hello, Mark. All right, let me start by saying I'm conservative through and through. I'm not looking for a handout. I'm not looking for anything for free. How may I help you, sir? I didn't, I didn't say I was your local uh, food stamp office. How may I help you, sir? Well, you say that uh, the the rich uh, have their money and they earn their money and they should keep their money, which I agree with. However, they also have a legion of lawyers. They have a legion of CPAs. They have accountants. They have financial advisors. So what? And the well, the and every rich person is not a good person. Every poor person is not a bad person. It's not a judgment on anybody's morality and so forth and so on. Some people may have earned it honestly. Some people may not have. We're talking about legitimate businesses, people who get wealthy, and they need to be left alone. They need to be left alone. Go ahead. They, they have, there's $67 trillion of wealth in this country. $50 trillion of it goes to the rich. Okay, pal, let me, let me explain something to you. Let, let's see if we can play this through, because you're a propagandist. Tell me, all those GM factories, who do those belong to? To the, the owners. Who are the owners? I have no idea. Oh, no idea. All these pharmaceutical companies, who are the owners? Who knows? We all know. The owners of the they're, all, they're, all in the, they're all on a public stock exchange. They have investors. Your pension plan, you have a pension plan? You have an IRA? I have Absolutely. Well, they invest in what we call mutual funds, don't they? Absolutely. Well, what do you think mutual funds invest in? Uh, uh, what do you think they invest in, pal? They want to do their best to make their... To attract your investment or the investment of your employer. So they got to show that they're investing in as best as they can wisely. The public owns GM. The public owns these pharmaceutical companies. 
the uh, you may have billionaires here and there that own companies. That's perfectly fine. But when you say $67 trillion of wealth is owned by rich people, this doesn't even make any sense to me. All of our major industries, almost all, not all, almost all of our major industries are public companies. You're welcome to invest in any damn one of them that you want. Sure, and I'm a retired vet. I am a... Sir, I don't care. This has nothing to do with your resume. It has to do with your statement. We're going to stay focused. I'm not a populist, see? I'm not running for office. I don't have to pat you on the head. You made a statement, and now I want you to defend it. $67 trillion. I don't even know if that's true, but let's say it is. I don't care if it's $100 trillion in this economy, and most of it, you said, is owned by rich people. It's not possible. Right. Wrong. It is absolutely possible. Well, I just asked you, well, who owns Exxon? The public. Rich people. No, not rich people. All kinds of people. The 10%. And this guy's a conservative through and through, don't you know? Absolutely. No, you're not. for anything free from anybody. Yeah. Just for fairness. Yeah, I know. Oh, you want fairness. And how do you get fairness, pal? By, uh... Government. Government. Yeah, government. Getting involved. No, no. Well, how do you get it? That's what I'm hoping you can help with. I'm not helping you with your cockamamie ideas. Why would I help that? You know where I stand. You called here to disagree with me. It's called liberty. Liberty. And if becoming a billionaire is so easy, why aren't you one? Right? Good question. I don't want to billionaire. Get off. uh, Another host would play this out for the next 15 minutes and say how swell it is. It's not swell. I can't stand the Marxist propaganda coming out of the mouths of people. I just can't. $67 trillion, and the vast majority of it. So I've seen these stats. You can Google it. It's, it's irrational. It's irrational. We have the most democratic economic system on the face of the earth. You want a piece of Exxon? Go get it. You want a piece of Apple? Go get it. You want a piece of Microsoft? Go get it. You want a piece of whatever you want? Go get it. Invest a little here, invest a little... No, 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 Of course people become billionaires. You have sports billionaires. Some of them invested in, company, in uh, excuse me, teams that, at a relatively low price. They weren't doing that great. Now they're worth a fortune. Good for them. What do I care? Look at all the people they employ. From the car jockeys to the soda jerks, and I don't mean that... Negatively, that's just an old phrase. The people who sell the hot dogs and the popcorns, the people who make the popcorn and the hot dogs. Man, oh man, this is a sad day. It just is. They have too much money. Too much money. And it ought to be spread around more. Well, who's going to do that? The government, of course. You tell us how, Mark. Tell you what. You know what's interesting? And I've said this before, and I want you to hear this, because it'll be repeated tomorrow and next week and a month from now. We have redistribution of wealth. That's what capitalism is all about. Somebody makes a product that you want. You take your hard-earned dollars, and you buy it. They send you the product. That's redistribution of wealth. 
You can go in the stock market, either through your pension plan or independently. You can invest in a company. You put your money in that company or those companies. That's redistribution of wealth. You buy an automobile, that's redistribution of wealth. Your money is being used by that car company, those dealers, the people who make the tires and the screws and everything, and the computers that go in the car and so forth. You're taking your wealth, you're acquiring something, and you're redistributing it. And everybody does that. The problem is when government steps in and says, you can't have this, you ought to have this, you have too much of this, you have too little of that. That's the problem. Why do I care if billionaires hire CPAs and lawyers? What does that have to do with anything? To do what? To rip people off? That's what you think? I don't think you realize how powerful your federal government is. The Internal Revenue Service. The prosecutors. That's the funny thing. There's no company on the face of this continent. No collection of companies on the face of this continent that have the power of the federal government. They all quiver when the government comes knocking on their door. Apple, Exxon, Microsoft, doesn't matter. I'll give you another example. 15, 20 years ago, what was the biggest company in this country? It went back and forth between Exxon and GM. They're not the biggest companies anymore. Top five companies, I believe, are tech companies, starting with Apple, Microsoft. The economy is vibrant. The economy changes. Even the big boys change. And that's a good thing. It's competitive. When you look at these companies, I've never run a company of you. When you look at these companies and you then project your own experiences on them, it's not really possible. I don't know what it's like to be a CEO of a company. I've never been a CEO of a company, of a big company. I've never been one. And yet, here I am behind a microphone, or maybe I'm driving a truck, or maybe I'm a plumber, maybe I'm a lawyer, maybe I'm a doctor. I have a thousand ideas on how that guy should run his company. Well, fine. But we don't know how to run that company, whether we have a thousand ideas or not. These politicians... They're not elected based on their intelligence. They're not elected based on uh, 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 their experience for the most part. They're not elected because they have demonstrated that they can manage an entire massive economy or an entire massive industry. They're elected because they got more votes than the other guy. That's it. They haven't demonstrated anything other than their ability to get elected. Chuck Schumer has been elected to office since the age of 21. What does he know about running anything? What does Ilian Omar know about running anything? And yet they're telling you, you should be taxed at this rate. We got to get the rich. Who are the rich? Who are the rich? What are the rich? The rich don't even know who the rich are for the most part. Who are the poor? Is everybody always poor? You mean in our system they can't move up? If you listen to the left, that's what they say. It's not true. Why do you think dirt poor immigrants come into this country? For two things. 
Number one, freedom. Number two, yes, more and more, government. But if they thought we were a country that holds people down, that's what they're running from. And I'm a conservative through and through, the guy says. This is a problem. It's a big problem. It's a big problem. Jealousy and hatred are strong passions. And when they're ignited, when they're triggered by demagogues with their propaganda, it's very difficult to put it back in the jar. It's very difficult. We've created people that we have to hate. People who we believe are taking advantage of us. People who we believe if they would only do this, then that would happen. Less and less do we focus on our own lives. Less and less do we focus on our own responsibilities. Less and less are we circumspect. Am I doing this right? Do I need to do this? How do I do that? As I said before, when I was a kid, my parents would point to, you want to be rich? Not that I needed to be rich. You want to be rich? Look at what that guy's done. Look at what that guy does. They're successful people. They didn't say destroy successful people. They said try and learn from successful people. We apparently don't believe that anymore. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Don't you just love it when something that is already amazing gets even better? Well, that's the case with the X chair. The makers have taken what is arguably the most comfortable and supportive office chair in the world and made it even better. X chair is introducing wider seats in the X3 and X4 models. That means extra support for those of us with a wider base. Not me, of course. The good people at X chair are constantly innovating to help improve your working comfort and productivity. Now you can finance the purchase of your X chair for as little as $30 a month. Seriously, for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee, you can make 2019 your most comfortable and productive year ever by getting yourself an X chair. X chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to XChairLevin.com right now. That's XChairLevin.com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair. 1-844-4X-Chair. Extra comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Go to xchair.com now and use code LEVINFOOTREST and you'll get a free footrest. That's xchairlevin.com. Why are all these people running on the Democrat side for the nomination when there's really not much difference between any of them? And as a group, among any of them? Am I wrong? They all represent the same hardcore part of the Democrat Party. They're hoping to break loose. They're hoping they can break loose through identity. They're hoping they can break loose with one idea or another idea. But all in all, aren't they the same? At least from a policy perspective? They keep trying to say Kamala Harris is a breakout. She's not a breakout. Nobody's a breakout. I don't think... Now, ladies and gentlemen, over the course of this week, I've gotten into a number of issues which many people don't agree with me on. 
I'm not sitting here defending the rich. I'm sitting here defending property rights, liberty, and the Constitution. Whether somebody's rich or poor, whether somebody's black or white, whether somebody's Jewish or not Jewish, Christian, Muslim, I'm supporting the individual. Our civil society, that which existed before America, that which is embraced by America, and it's slipping away. And I understand that I could get behind this microphone and join the populist left and some on the populist right and attack drug companies and attack rich people and say, yeah, 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 we need to do this, we need to do that. I can't live with myself and do that because I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I know what ideals make this a magnificent country, and so do you. I know what ideals make this a magnificent country, and I know, likely, I could get even more listeners if I were banging the table as a radical populist one way or another. But I'm not a radical populist. I don't believe in this stuff. I believe in what I know to be right. I know what's humane and what's inhumane. Just look around you or look at history. You pledge allegiance to the flag. Why? You love your country. Why? Because of government programs? Because of taxation? Because you're going to screw this guy or that guy? No, that's not why you love your country. We have men and women who've given their lives fighting in one hellhole after another. Why? For a massive government bureaucracy and Leviathan? So that furloughed employees are repaid? So that Kamala Harris can propose eliminating private health care? So that Bernie Sanders can propose massive heritage, uh, inheritance taxes? So that these young women who just got elected to Congress could destroy our economic system? And burp up their anti-Semitic comments? No, that's not why America's great. And that's not why men and women put their lives on the line. It's called freedom. That's why. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickhouseLevin.com, that's BrickhouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, 
Broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You callers, very good callers. You hang in there. I'll get to you eventually. This I shall do. Tom Reed is a Republican congressman. I think he's from New York. Doesn't really matter. Jim Shuto is a Obama Democrat uh, who now works for CNN and is used to be reporting on national security, but apparently is reporting on more now. Um, it's amazing who these people hire. Like I said, I didn't know Valley, Valerie Jarrett's daughter was a top reporter on justice at the for Justice Department over there at CNN. It's just it, the, the, the incestuous relationships are unbelievable. The vast majority are Democrats. Jim Shuto is one of them. Now, I've been saying, as you know, they keep demanding for 10 years of Donald Trump's tax returns. And I keep saying, well, we ought to have 10 years of tax returns from every member of Congress, starting with Nancy Pelosi. And I want you folks to keep pushing that, too. It's very important. I mean, they're the ones who appropriate. They're the ones who legislate. We don't know who they are. We don't really know who they are. But let's let's listen in. Cut four. Go. Let me ask you about uh, uh, the president's tax returns. You're, of course, a member of the Ways and Means Committee. Next week, uh, your Democratic colleagues on the Ways and Means Committee, they're going to hold a hearing on the president's tax returns. Now, think about that. They're going to hold a hearing on the president's tax returns. There's no requisite basis to hold a hearing on the president's tax returns. They don't have his tax returns. They make insinuations about the president and his tax returns. Just the way Adam Schiff and a conga line of Democrats and media types did exactly that when it came to Donald Trump Jr. And Donald Trump, who never called Donald Trump Jr. before the meeting, wasn't tipped off about the meeting, which was a nothing burger to begin with. And notice how quickly they sprint past that. Notice how quickly they sprint past it. Not even a one day story. A couple of hits and gone. Day after day, week after week, they hit it. They're wrong. They've humiliated themselves, but they move past it quickly. Go ahead. Have a right to see what their president's income is and and whether he's paying taxes or not. Well, this is going to be an interesting debate. Uh, you, You know, this authority that the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee has to pull anyone's tax returns. Uh, we ought to be careful we're not going down a slippery slope here of just uh, picking for political purposes someone's tax returns for a political process or a but political But we're not talking about and anyone's. So we're, we're, talking about, about we're talking about the leader of the free world. No, 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 friend. Mr. Shuto, if that is your name. We're talking about empowering government. That if they can do this to the president, they can do it to others. People's tax returns, in fact, were used for political purposes by Franklin Roosevelt, by Harry Truman, by John Kennedy, by Lyndon Johnson, and by Richard Nixon. And I would argue, at least indirectly, by Barack Obama, but there was never a criminal investigation involving that, now was there? 
when it came to the Tea Party. Anyway, go ahead. The largest economy in the world following what has been an established protocol for decades. Okay, there's no established protocol. And the fact that we have the largest economy has nothing to do with this. Zero. Now, this is a reporter, you understand. Not a member of the Democrat caucus. Well, he might as well be. Go ahead. Republican and Democratic presidents. I just wonder for you as, as a citizen who I assume pays his taxes, don't, don't you and I have a right to know whether our president pays taxes? Well, this is the slippery slope. So where do you draw the line? Just the president? Do you do that for the Speaker yeah. of the House? Draw Hold the on now. That a boy, Congressman Reed. I'm with you. Do you do it for the Speaker of the House? They don't want the Speaker of the House to release her and her husband's tax returns. No way. They don't want Maxine Waters to release her tax returns because all the funny business in the past. No way. We'd be picking off Democrats and some Republicans left and right. Mitch McConnell and, his, and Elaine Chow's tax returns. No way. A Trump? He's like a pinata to the media and to the left. Go ahead. Why not just draw the line at the president? Don't Americans have a right to know that their president, whether their president pays taxes? What, what is the assumption here, pal, that the president doesn't pay taxes? And where do you get that from? Now, keep something in mind. This guy claims to speak for the American people, the Shudo. And off the air, I'll call him something else. But this guy, Shudo. Was not Donald Trump elected president of the United States? Despite the fact he said, I'm not releasing my taxes. Was he not, Mr. Producer? You elected him president of the United States, even though he said, I'm not releasing my taxes. Now, why doesn't he want to release his taxes? I'll tell you why. He's a multi-billionaire. And you'll have left-wing accountants, left-wing professors, left-wing former prosecutors pouring over this stuff and telling you, oh, he committed a crime here, he violated IRS rule here, he did this, he did that. We'll get it for the next 12 months in the lead-up to the election. That's why Mr. Shudo, if that is his name, that's why he wants just the president to release his taxes. Don't the American people have a right Well, the American people decided, pal. Go ahead. Well, I think uh, the president has made it very clear as to where he stands on his tax returns, and that is uh, his right to do so as a citizen of America and have that privacy right uh, protected. See, they want to politicize everything. The FBI, the Department of Justice, our intelligence agencies, and the IRS. And Mr. Shudo may not be aware of this because most of these people on CNN, much like MSNBC, are of a very low intelligence variety. That the IRS has been abused and has abused people in the past. And the President of the United States also knows, as does Congressman Reed, that your intention, Mr. Shudo, and all the rest of them, is not because you're earnestly concerned that the President didn't pay his taxes. Your purpose is to use this as another drip, drip, drip to try and destroy the man. If you can't impeach him and can't remove him, then dirty him up enough, smear him enough so he can't win re-election. That's your point, Shudo, if that is your name. That's your point. TJ, Wilmington, Delaware, XM Satellite, go. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Okay, thank you. Uh, I just wanted, I, I know you got into the Biden thing earlier on, um, 
was what came out, I guess, in the Examiner today. Uh, back in 72, you know, when he first ran, um, actually 71 in Wilmington, Delaware, uh, about five families uh, from Wilmington um, put a thing in to the courts for, for desegregation. So then he would have been elected in 72. I mean, he would have started serving. Well, so, he was on, as I recall, the Wilmington City Council. Oh, yeah. When he, when he was 25. Oh, no, no. New, New, um, I'm sorry, Newcastle County Council. Newcastle, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then some, since 30, since he was 30, you were just talking earlier on about about a lifetime in politics. He's now 74, Six, 75. Seven, he's okay. Been, he's been 30 years old. Full time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and he can run any uh, business. Just ask him. <laughs> we, come, we come from a very, very small state. We only yep. have nine hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. Now, the election that he won is the same number of illegal aliens who come into the country every year. Well, we got a bunch here too. Uh, <laughs> it's not counted. But but in seventy two, mm-hmm. there was only like two. That was the largest election then for him because because Delaware back in seventy two was really Republican. So he ran against Gail Boggs, who was our governor, loved guy, and all that stuff. Anyway. But he ran one too many elections. He was an old guy. Nixon persuaded him to run again. And he couldn't keep up with Biden. He didn't really campaign. He stayed in I know the whole history. He stayed in Washington pretty much. And he didn't expect this upstart to be able to defeat him. Right. Now, he didn't. He, it was only like, I'm making this up now, 118,000 to 116,000. That was the margin. It wasn't a very big margin that Biden won by. Right. Now, fast forward to 78, there was only 162,000 people that voted in that election in the whole state of Delaware. So what's your point? So my point is, he was real then, because he flip-flops, then DeSeg came in, they they ordered desegregation in, in 1978 by a federal judge. Bussing in Wilmington, you had bussing in Boston, you had bussing in the South. It was a big issue, went all the way up to the Supreme Court. I think there's a couple of Supreme Court decisions on it. A lot of people who opposed bussing were not racist. They weren't segregationists. They didn't. They moved into a particular community. They wanted their kids to go to the community school. They're paying property taxes and so forth. And then all of a sudden, you have federal judges in their court in their uh, in their. Uh, uh, conference rooms drawing up maps for busing as if they're assistant superintendents. This one's going to go here. This one's going to go there. So people who supported desegregation and more fully integration, many, including me, I was very, very young at the time, opposed busing. But you could still support integration. And that's why Biden, that's why Biden because of the state of Delaware. Both but, but Biden's quote on NPR, he goes further. He basically says, well, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but I read it. It's out there. You can read it in the, the Examiner <clears throat> from uh, late last night, but it's there now. That's why Biden said, basically, he said, look, why would essentially black people want this? Because, you know, uh, the black movement, the black rights movement and so forth, they don't want complete integration, you know. And so he said things that really, if you if you listen to them, were not only gutless, uh, they were defending I don't know how else you can say it. Defending segregation. Well, well, look, well, look, look who he look look who he was with before the, for, the, for the federal bill. I don't know what you're talking well, about. Well, he was he was with uh, 
who were the, the the head guys where he was he was part he was part on the bill he was one of the signers of the bill of what bill uh the segregation bill or the uh what was it i forget right now no he he both supported and opposed busing out of both one side of his mouth and the other side of his mouth all right my friend i gotta go no offense we'll be right back Lovin. Here's a montage, Harry Pickett's at the uh, Daily Caller, of Democrats who won't answer the question if they support infanticide, like that which has been proposed in Virginia and signed into law in New York. Cut 16, go! You support this partial birth abortion I'd have bill. to look at this. I don't know which bill you're talking about. So. Have you heard Governor Northam's comments? I'm sorry? I've heard Governor Northam's comments about uh, late-term abortion. I don't know. Congressman Connolly, just want yeah. to get your thoughts just on the abortion bill that's being... I'm not going to uh, comment on that. Did you find that, that what Trent ended up proposing... He's running away there. Um, all I'll tell you is I support the existing law, and I don't think it needs to be changed. Does it seem like the party is going to have a, a litmus test that Democrats need to support late-term abortion at this point? You know, everybody, it doesn't matter of conscience how people feel. I have pretty strong views about that, women's right of choice. Do you yourself stand by the whole issue of late-term abortion? Is that where the Democrat Party is going right now? Um, I mean, I'm pro-choice, and I support Connecticut's laws uh, regarding choice, so Connecticut's not talking about changing its laws. Difficult choice. No, I don't. We, you know, look, I support the laws that stand right now, and that's what we're going to stick with. So ninth-month abortion is okay with you? I, you know what? I didn't say that. Okay. okay. I, I, I know Holland. the game you're playing. Yes, I support Roe v. Wade, Sorry, uh, which, as you know, is second trimester, and I, I support the Roe v. Wade and its limitations. Do you support late-term abortions, first of all? No, no, I, that's a, an issue for the state Senate, but I, I think what they did was the right thing to, uh, to give women the right to make choices. So you support a baby being aborted up to the ninth month? I support a woman making a decision for herself. Support partial birth abortion, though? Uh, I support women's right to choose and, 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 ha- and their, their health, make decisions about their health. Wow, that was uh, very clear of these uh, leftists, wasn't it? And you see, that's how you defeat them. You force them to respond to the words of their own colleagues, Democrat Party colleagues. You force them to respond because they're crackpots, these people. You force them to respond to what Ilhan Omar has to say and what AOC has to say and same with what Bernie has to say. Now, on this tax issue, ladies and gentlemen, I was discussing it with Mr. Producer and Mr. Call Screener during the break, and I said, well, here's the deal. You know, I believe all members of Congress should release 10 years of their tax returns, starting with the Speaker, all committee chairmen. We've had this discussion repeatedly, but all members. And the President should say, hey, look, when Nancy Pelosi and all the other members of Congress release 10 years of their tax returns, then come to me and talk to me. But right now, you don't have a leg to stand on. Well, doesn't everybody have a right to know if the president pays their taxes? Well, doesn't everybody have a right to know if there's a conflict of interest by legislators and appropriators? I mean, the Trump standard, the standard they're applying to Trump should be applied to all these guys. You know, they've been in office, most of them, 
for years and years and years. Trump's been in office two years, for crying out loud. We know what this is about, so shove their words right back up their noses. That's what I would do. All right, let's continue. Josh, Cleveland, Texas. Uh, Where is he calling us from, Mr. Producer? Any particular uh, call letters or no? Sirius Satellite, go right ahead. Cleveland, Texas, from WBAP 820. Oh, WBAP country, thank you. Yes, sir. Mark, I was just hoping that you would back up with me just for uh, just a segment. I'm sorry, I've been on hold. So, you know, I'm calling to talk about the the gentleman calling in about the $67 trillion. Right. You know, if we... if we could take these billionaires and everything, these billionaires are the top 80% or the top 1% have touched the the Warren Buffetts and shut down the railroads and the Waltons and shut down the Walmarts and we shut down all these big companies. that all And the Amazons and all the rest of it. Yeah, just shut them down. And then let's, let's see what these people do then. You know, that's a great point. What will we do without them is your point. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the year, we take that... 87 or 90 percent of the taxes that all those people pay and say, oh, by the way, now you're going to have to pay the taxes that all these people have been paying, too. Another great point. In other words, people are going to pass these costs on to you and me, the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Then then I think these people will start getting the gist. Then it's too late. But you know what, Josh? Excellent, excellent call. I mean it. Thank you, my friend. Quickly, Stuart Pensacola, Florida on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hello, Mark. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I want yes. to talk to you about Elizabeth Warren's latest tax that she hatched three weeks ago. Yes. Um, since the 16th Amendment was written, we gave them, that would be the United States, a past levy taxes on income, and that's all it covers. Elizabeth says that this is not an income tax. So it has to be apportioned among the states according to population. And I wanted to hear what you thought it would look like after this, that. This happened. is a great point. I like your call. I'll respond after the break. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. It's bad enough your IRS problems ruined 2018. Are you really going to drag that nightmare into the new year? Consider what's at stake when the IRS has you in their sights, your paycheck, your bank account, your business, even your home. Now, you're smart. You know better to deal with the IRS alone. You need expert help. But who? They're all the same, right? No, that's not true. Optima Tax Relief is America's number one tax resolution firm. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking Americans with families, paychecks, and bank accounts to protect. Now, when you engage Optima to fight for you and protect what's yours, you're getting a proven, award-winning team. A team who can help stop the aggressive collection actions and help put your IRS problem behind you. That's how Optima has saved nearly a billion dollars for their clients Call for your free consultation while you still have options. Call 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. Now, the taxing power of Congress is very limited. 
There can be direct taxations, but it has to be apportioned among the states, which is almost impossible, like a head tax. Nobody's really figured out what that means or how to do it. And if they're indirect taxes, they need to be uniform. So, for instance, if you're going to tax a certain product or a certain activity, they need to be uniform throughout the states. Okay, that's not going to raise a whole lot of revenue. And then, of course, we have the 16th Amendment, the Income Tax Amendment. And what the very smart caller, Stewart, was saying was, well, what authority is there under the taxing power of the Constitution? There's really two places to look. For a wealth tax, there is none. There is none. You cannot do it by statute, which you can't do constitutionally. In order to get an income tax, the Constitution had to be amended. Now, Lincoln put an income tax in place, a very short one, a very small one, to help fund the Civil War. And he was sued. But they dropped it. They dropped it. Because it was unconstitutional. A wealth tax would be unconstitutional as well. We have an income tax, not a wealth tax under the 16th Amendment, and the other tax provision of the Constitution doesn't give Elizabeth Warren any relief. So the gentleman's correct, and that's why I'm spending a little bit of time explaining it. So what she's proposing is a disaster. It's also unconstitutional. But I don't have faith in our courts anymore, certainly not most of them. I don't know what they're capable of, quite frankly. I thought Obamacare was a clear violation not only of the commerce clause but the taxation clause in fact landmark legal foundation when i was president i'm not president now i'm chairman we have a great president there pete hutchison but when i was the filing that we made challenged obamacare as an unconstitutional tax which it is which forced the chief justice to rewrite the law and rewrite the rationale behind the law despite the fact That Obama and Democrat members of Congress who wrote it in secret said, it's not a tax, it's not a tax. And then Chief Justice Roberts says, it is a tax, it is a tax. Good job there, John, Johnny. Let us go to Kylie, LeGrand, Oregon, the great KVBL. Go. Hey, Mark, I was just wondering, why don't we go to a straight across the board sales tax? No matter how you get your money. You spend your money, you're paying your taxes on it. There's no loopholes. You get your money from drug dealings, whatever. You're paying tax on it. Well, most people wouldn't get it from drug dealing. I get your point. I'm in favor of it with one caveat. you got to get rid of the 16th Amendment first. Otherwise, you would have that flat tax plus an income tax. Oh, yes, that's true. That's true. But that would be one... You know, that would be, in my opinion, a fair taxation for everyone. I I support, number one, a flat sales tax. I really do. Secondarily, I can support a flat income tax, uh, which you could still do under the Constitution. But these people are talking about 90% rates. You know, we're so far apart, and they get almost no pushback. You're right. If they're proposing 90%, we should propose a flat tax of 11%, 12 13% for everybody. Right. Exactly. All right, my friend. Thank you very much. Carolina, Wausau, Wisconsin, the great WSAU. Go. Hi, Mark. Uh, Hi. I'm a legal immigrant from Chile. Oh, congratulations. 
Thank you. And I love this country. I really love it like you do. I yeah. listen to you all the time because Thank you. I can see that. But anyway, this is my point. I, mm-hmm. I come from Chile, and they did the same in my country in the 70s. Now, let me, let me explain. This. Don't hang up. Chile, ladies and gentlemen, went from somewhat of a, of, uh, not somewhat, a hardcore socialist state to a military junta. Uh, then they eliminated the military junta. They went to a representative democracy with capitalism. And now they're reversing course back to socialism. Isn't that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're destroying it again. Yeah, but this is my point. I remember I was very little when Fidel Castro went to Chile for a month with Allende. And mm-hmm. he was saying... The rich is taking the money from the poor. They divide people between rich and poor. Yeah. And this is my point. People have different talents. I believe God gives different talents to people. So what? There are always going to be people that have more money, people that have less money. But happiness is not based in how much money do you have. That's what they're trying to Well, say. you're right. What you're saying is what they're looking at is right. What what you have rather than how did you get it? Yes. Some I, people are smarter, some people work harder, some people uh are just uh are just better at it. It doesn't mean anybody's stealing. It doesn't mean uh uh that we're an unequal society. It just means we're a society of individuals who do individual things. And nobody's better than other ones. Everybody has a role. And happiness doesn't mean you have to have more money. Happiness, to me, is relationship, is friendship, is family, is your country. You're right. You don't have to be rich to be happy. Uh, and that's what they're trying to do. Trying are are to they happy it. in Cuba? No. <laughs> are, they, are they happy in Venezuela? No. <laughs> uh, and you know what? This point is very, very important. And uh, John Voigt on my Fox show, made the point about happiness, and I thought it was really outstanding. Life, liberty, and happiness. The yes. pursuit the pursuit of happiness. Right there in the Declaration. And he said, when he went to Russia many, many years ago, and you looked at the people, they weren't happy. You look at the buildings, these aren't, you know, these aren't, these are old, decaying buildings. When you look at the automobile, same thing. And he said to him, that's what the the founders in the Declaration of Independence meant. Life, liberty, and happiness. And I think pursuit of happiness. And I think that's what you're saying, too. Yes, and everybody has a role for people who have more money. So what? So what? That's exactly right. Nothing wrong with that. You know, there's a billionaire who lives, I guess, within five, ten miles of where I live. Maybe even closer. I don't know exactly. If It has no effect on me whatsoever. If he's a billionaire or a pauper, it doesn't affect my life. It doesn't make my life better or worse. I have to decide what I'm going to do. What fulfills me? How to take care of my family and my wife and what I'm supposed to do. That's the focus rather than have politicians 
drop in who don't know us, don't know our circumstance, don't know anything about us, and have these broad brush plans that, you know, you need this and you need that and so forth. They are politicians. They sit down with paid hacks to come up with phrases and words and programs and, and, and signs and all the rest of it. They're playing us. They're managing us. Thank you for your call. I really appreciate it. Let us go to Zach, Akron, Ohio, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Mr. Levin, it's an honor. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. I think um, the wealth tax really struck a chord with me because as somebody training to be a CPA, I should, I guess, support it the same way lawyers always uh, don't support tort reform. But it's really, to me, a form of indentured servitude, if you will, because you're being taxed on things that might not even be generated income that you already paid with with money that was taxed. Um, and I think the Democrats really don't care. And by the way, so is the inheritance tax. You've already paid all your taxes on it, and now you pass away, and you want to pass on your farm or your, your liquid assets to your kids, to your grandkids, to whomever you want. They say, not so fast. We're going to take... 77% of it. And the estate tax, or um, and the real estate tax, as you know, I mean, you're not seeing any money coming from your house, but yet you're paying for it each year. Um, but I don't really think they care about the way this will materialize. I think it's more they want to get um, to a taxation system like Europe, a value-added tax. So mm-hmm. they can tax companies, they can tax people more and more but yet they can hide it through different states. Now, that's important. They can hide it. So when you purchase something, you don't realize that 23% or whatever it is of what you've just spent goes to the government. And I think you made a good point a while back. Um, if we got rid of the withholding tax, I think you would see almost an uprising the size of the Tea Party back in uh, back in 2010 where people truly knew what they were. People got a bill at the end of uh, each year for what they owed rather than having that money on I've been arguing that for years. All right, my friend, I'm up against the clock. Thank you very much. Excellent call. All the calls have been excellent, except one doofus. No one should feel unsafe at home, period. Fear is no place in a place like home. That's been Simply Safe's mission from day one. You'll even see a commercial about it during Sunday's big game. Be sure to check it out. Simply Safe system was designed to blanket your whole home with protection, not just your front door. Now, their around-the-clock professional monitoring makes sure police are on the way when you need them. The system is completely wireless. You can install it yourself in under an hour. And Simply Safe security sensors are tiny, blending in with your home so you won't notice them. Now, The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security, and it's a wire cutter top pick. Because as more than 3 million Simply Safe customers already know, it feels good to fear less. Join them today. Join me today. Protect your home with Simply Safe. You'll get free shipping on any system order. Just visit simplysafemark.com to get started. That's simplysafemark.com to protect your family and your home today and to get free shipping on your order. Simplysafemark.com. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'm getting a lot of callers with different ideas on how we should tax. And it's perfectly fine, but you understand we're on our heels. Our backs are against the wall. In other words, we're on defense. 
when the Republicans control the House and Senate, the presidency, they cut taxes, usually. But they still play within the box of the progressive income tax. The Democrats play outside the box. We always play inside the box. In the end, we always play by their rules. They're not going to get rid of Obamacare, the Republicans. Period. They're not going to get rid of the 16th Amendment and federal income taxes. Period. Once something is created in the federal government, the Democrats move to expand it. The Republicans never move to eliminate it. And then people become reliant on it, then it becomes a propaganda point, and so forth and so on. So if you want to get rid of Obamacare in order to make cheaper plans available to more people, and more plans to more people, you're now said to be taking health care from 20 million people. What the left is really, really good at is lying and then packaging it as some kind of a human right. And Republicans, particularly the Republicans like McConnell and these others, this guy Thune is a disaster. I watch these people. They're utterly and completely incapable of engaging. So they don't. They sell out. They sell out. And so we have two problems here. One is the Democrat Party is driven by an ideology that is hostile to the philosophy that undergirds the founding of this nation. And the Republican Party is absolutely impotent and tends to give it the rubber stamp. Every Friday, ladies and gentlemen, we take a moment to play America no matter what. Well, a few times I haven't, but I do it to just remind everybody who we are, what we believe in. And then there are tens of millions of us who still still strongly embrace this country. Here we go.
won't be a life, liberty, and Levin this Sunday because of the Super Bowl, by the way. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and all our wonderful law enforcement folks. <clears throat> Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And ladies and gentlemen, God bless you. God bless your dad. God bless your mom. And I'll see you on Monday. Have a good weekend.